Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, God With Us. This four-week Christmas series looks at God as Emmanuel, God With Us. We will take a closer look at how God is with us through the valley, in the desert, on the mountain, and in the waiting. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Welcome to Valley Brook on this uh, first Sunday in Advent, this first Sunday in the beginning of our Christmas season. We're glad you're here and we hope that you'll come again next week. Uh, Today we're going to focus on this idea that God is with us. You need to understand that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of, of a prophecy, and we're going to put this prophecy on the, scri- on the screen behind me. It's from the Gospel of Matthew where it's being understood as being fulfilled, and the prophecy says this, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That God the Son would condescend to come to earth and to become human, and to pour himself out on our behalf is what Christmas is all about. That reality changes everything for everyone who believes in him. If you've read the book, Touching the Void, or you've seen the 2003 movie by the same name, you know what a crevasse is. A crevasse is a deep crack in a glacier or a sheet of ice Uh, It's like a valley of ice, and and Touching the Void is the memoir of mountaineer Joe Simpson's story of falling into a deep crevasse. After Joe and his climbing partner reached the summit of Sayula Grande Mountain in Peru, they were headed back down when Joe's safety line was cut, uh, leaving Joe to slide with a broken leg in a deep crevasse. After several desperate attempts to climb up, out of the crevasse, he was faced with the fact that his injury made it impossible, and so against all survival instincts, he made the excruciating choice to lower himself deeper and deeper into that valley of ice and rock. And he did so in the hope that there would be another way out, all the time wondering to himself, am I lowering myself to freedom? or deeper into the belly of the earth? Will a ray of sunshine await me in this pit, showing a way out into the day, or is there only darkness and a slow death? With every inch he lowered himself, he edged farther from the obvious way to life, and there was no way back. Obviously, this decision was a wise decision. Simpson survived. He was able to crawl out of that crevasse into daylight and to be rescued. Today, maybe you can identify with Joe Simpson and you feel like you're deep in a valley in your life. A valley that really seems to have no way out. Today we're going to look at the truth is that is this, that God is with us in the valleys of life. Uh, Now, maybe you're in an emotional valley of anxiety and depression, and you need to hold on to the truth that God is with you today. Maybe you're in a relationship valley because your marriage isn't going well, or your friendships all seem distant, or you just feel alone. You need to know that you're not alone because God is with you. 
Maybe you're in the, the valley of disappointment and grief because life has not turned out how you thought it would. You need to know that God is with you. Maybe you're in a financial valley of bills and debt that you think are insurmountable. You need to know that God is with you. You know, when Joe Simpson descended deeper and deeper into that cold, frozen valley, he was all alone. But that's not true for you and I. God is with us. And you and I have this testimony of others in the scriptures to remind us and the world of this truth that changes everything. That God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Many of us are familiar with Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm was written by David. Now, many Bible historians will tell you that they believe that David wrote Psalm 23 in the middle of puberty, when he was a teenager, when he was out in the fields as a shepherd. And so think this through. This Psalm was not written by a well-experienced pro who could trust in God through difficult times, but this was written by the mind of a young hormonal teenager who had just received word that he was going to be the king of Israel. Keep in mind that David lived before Jesus, before Jesus came to earth, before Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, during a time when faith with God was really culturally more a transactional thing rather than an intimate relationship. But David started that psalm by calling God a good shepherd. Now, let's be honest, okay? Um, that wasn't the first job description that the typical Israelite would think about God. Very few people would call God a shepherd. Why? Because shepherds were seen to be at the lowest of the low in society. But as you read through the whole psalm, you see a personal, intimate understanding about God who provides, about God who walks with David, about God who is there and provides. And you see this intimate, personal relationship. The fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. This morning, I want you to remember this first point. God is with us in the valleys. God is with us in the valleys. Now, listen, before we go further, let's talk about life for a moment. You know, uh, every person who lives will go through ups and downs in life. That, that's part of the human condition. You will experience mountaintop highs and valley lows. Now let's talk about the church world, okay? For years, there has been a false theological narrative which says that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy, and all you have to do is have just enough faith to make it happen. Unfortunately, that's a false teaching, and it's disappointed many people and caused others to walk away from God. That false theology only looks at the scriptures that tell us that God wants to bless us, and it ignores the scriptures that tell us that being a follower of Jesus does not exempt us from trials and suffering. It also ignores how sin came into the world 
and destroyed the perfect order of creation and how sin affects every single one of us today. I think it's wise for us to remember the words of Jesus. And he said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we can take heart that we know him because he's overcome the world. Now let's, <clears throat> let's jump back to Psalm 23 and look at what David learned about God in this deep, dark valley. He learned that when God was with him in the valley, he did not have to be afraid. This is a message that God gives us over and over again from Scripture. God tells us over and over in the Bible that we do not need to be afraid because he will be with us wherever we go. And he tells us that he will go ahead of us and that he will be with us and never leave us or forsake us. Now, we all know the valleys of life, they're not fun. Uh, none of us wants to put ourselves in one of those valleys of life, but we also recognize that they're a part of life. They can be painful. They can be frustrating. They can last longer than we want them to last. But here's what we need to know. God is with us, all right? When we feel close to God, we forget about how we feel when we're in the valley, and oftentimes in the valley, we don't feel close to God, but our feelings can lie to us because we have a scriptural truth that tells us that God is with us wherever we go. God is with us in the valleys. Now, here's what we know about being in the valleys with God, according to God's word. The first thing is this, God is our comfort in the valleys. God is our comfort Back to Psalm 23, David tells us something else about God. He tells us that when we go through a valley, that God will comfort us. Even before we get to verse 4 in that psalm, David has already shown how God shepherds us by comforting us. We also will see that God will provide for us, that he will take care of us, and we'll see that, that he'll lead us in places that will restore not only our bodies, but our souls and at the end of verse 4, it says something that's a little foreign to us. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, scholars like to point out that the significance of the shepherd's rod and staff being both mentioned is important because in David's day, a shepherd used <clears throat> a rod as a weapon to defend and protect the sheep from predators. But a shepherd also used a staff to guide and lead the sheep in the way they should go. Now, now this is interesting for us to understand. Uh, shepherds didn't carry a rod and a staff, all right? They just carried one stick, and that stick would have the ability to be a rod and defend, but also a guide to guide the sheep. And it's interesting that David speaks both of those realities out when he writes this psalm because he understands that, that both of them are important. David wanted to emphasize how God cares for us for, by doing both of those things. So he used different words to describe how God cares for us and comforts us, how he protects us and how he guides us. So we need to know that God comforts us when we go through the valleys. 
We see how much God comforts his people throughout scriptures. The Apostle Paul understood this because the Apostle Paul was a student of what we would call the Old Testament scriptures. He understood them and he understood what kind of God God is. And in the second book of Corinthians, in the first chapter, he talks so much about the comforting nature of God, so much so that that he says this about God, that, that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And then he calls him the God who comforts us in all of our troubles. So if you're going through a valley in life right now, or if you know somebody who's going through a valley right now, you need to know that God will comfort them in this valley of life. That God will comfort us and he will walk with us through those valleys. In fact, he is walking with you even if you're not aware of it. You know, I, as I look back on my own life at the emotional, financial, and relational valleys that I've found myself in through the years, I've learned that I don't have to be afraid because God will be with me. And God walks with me and he gives me comfort and in fact it's looking back and seeing how God has led me and how God has guided me through those previous valleys that strengthens my faith when I go through valleys now even when I've been through recent valleys God comforts me but not only does God comfort us in the valleys he also strengthens us God is our strength in the valleys. So I want you to, we looked at a familiar psalm, the 23rd psalm. let's, Let's look at one that's a little unfamiliar, the 84th psalm. In verses five and six, it says this, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, this this verse is very informative to us about the kind of God we have. Uh, Now, look, the the person that it's described as here is a person whose heart is set on going on a a pilgrimage. What does that mean for us? Well, that's a person who wants to get close to God. Pilgrims went on pilgrimages to get close to God. So hopefully that describes us that we want to get closer to God. And in this psalm, it's clear that this person already knows God because it says their strength comes from knowing God. But what does that next verse mean? And what's this uh, valley of Baca? Well, first, we need to know this. This is the only place in the Bible where the valley of Baca is mentioned. And, and, and scholars point out that Baca is, is an interesting Hebrew word because it's related to a word that means to weep, okay? It means weeping. And specifically, it says that Baca refers to a, a type of, of weeping tree. What's a weeping tree? It's not a weeping willow, as many of you may think. A, a weeping tree is Uh, is a fir tree, a pine tree, a a tree that has sap. Have you ever been by a tree and you've seen the sap running down the trunk? It looks like it's weeping. It's weeping. And and it's interesting because you remember that uh, the Middle East, uh, Israel, is more of an arid, desert-like place, and yet these trees grow there in the arid locations of Israel. So scholars believe that not only is the Valley of Baca a place where these trees grow, but but it's 
even metaphorically can be understood as a difficult place in life. That the, the Valley of Baca isn't a specific place, it's a season of life we go through. You ever been through a season of weeping? A season of disappointment? A season when it feels like nothing's going right? Maybe that's where you are right now. You know, life can do that to us. You know, the death of a loved one, relationship blow-ups, a health crisis, financial stress, job loss, whatever it is, something like this can be your valley of baka, your valley of weeping. But notice that the people who know God, when they go through the valley of weeping, find their strength in God. You know why? Because their attention is not on the issue. They're seeking to grow closer to God. They know that their strength is in God. Their, their focus is on God. So uh, wherever they're going, their focus is so straight that, that they actually are able to say about that season in life that it's not a dry, lifeless place, but God is with us as I'm going through this valley. And so I'm finding refreshments, it says in the scripture, refreshing springs and pools of water. This week on Thanksgiving Day, uh, we heard word from a dear friend who was in the Caribbean with her family uh, that her husband had drowned while snorkeling. And uh, she shared with us the emotional devastation, the overwhelming uh, emotions that were rippling through her and her adult sons and, and, and the difficulty, just the difficulty of even uh, making plans to return her husband back to the States. But, but she wrote... She wrote this, she goes, but I'm keeping it together as she comforts her sons and her family. Now, knowing her, I know her relationship with God. I know that God is with her in this deep, dark valley and that God is her strength during this time, that, that God is walking with her through this utter, deep, dark valley. And that's where she gets the strength that she talks about. When God is with you in the valleys of life, he's your strength. That's a, a truth that we see repeated over and over in Scripture. In another psalm, David writes this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. When you're going through a valley and you recognize that God is your strength, your heart can leap with joy because you know that God is with you, that you can trust in him and that you can praise him in the midst of whatever life throws your way. The message that God is with us is so relevant at Christmas because as we saw earlier, Jesus was given that title, Emmanuel, and he is God with us. But maybe you're wondering and thinking, yeah, wait a minute, but, but Jesus went back to heaven. He, he ascended into heaven from that mountaintop where he met with the disciples and, and gave them the Great Commission. How can he still be God with us? Well, you remember 
when Jesus spent that last moment with his disciples before he went into heaven, um, he told them uh, that he would take care of them. He told them that they would continue what they had started together. And he said uh, to them that, I want you to take this message of good news to the entire world. And I can imagine the disciples feeling overwhelmed with everything that Jesus was saying to them. And they must have been afraid of this huge responsibility that, that Jesus was living, leaving them with. The, the Great Commission is an amazing message, but it's also a, a huge responsibility. Think about it. Jesus said, go to every nation. How would they do that? How would they get to every nation? And, and he also said, make disciples of all nations. Okay, how do you do that? And he says, teach them to obey everything he has commanded them. Everything he's commanded them. How will the disciples remember all that? In his commissioning, Jesus, the one who is called Emmanuel, tells them that he will be with them forever. But remember, he's, a, he's ascending into heaven, so how will he do what he said? But they remembered the promise that he had made, that, that he and the Father would send the Holy Spirit to be with them, that Jesus would continue to be with them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who, tell, who we're told will be with us and in us. Amen. David knew this. Even though he didn't receive the Holy Spirit, he knew something about God's Spirit. And in Psalm 139, we read this. He writes, where can I go from your Spirit? He's talking to God. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is with us everywhere, including the valleys that we go through. I appreciate these words of, of Pastor Craig Rochelle because when you hear them, you're going to understand that God never wastes anything, even a valley in our lives. Pastor Craig says, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. When we go through the valleys of life, we can lean on God in ways that we never understood before. We can find a depth of intimacy and relationship that we never thought we could have because God has promised to be with us and through the power of the Holy Spirit, not only is he with us, but he's in us to guide us and remind us of everything that Jesus taught. When we walk with God through the valleys, he is with us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. And we get to know him as God with us in ways that we would never experience on the mountaintops. This morning, I, I want to pray for us. And then we're going to move into celebrating the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is a powerful illustration and reminder in a, in a very tangible way that God is with us. 
before I pray, I just want to say this. You know, at Valley Brook, we, we practice an open communion. Anybody who's a follower of Jesus Christ can, can ta- come and take the bread and the cup, and you're welcome to. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we say, well, Scripture tells you not to. Why? Because it means nothing to you. It's just bread, and it's just grape juice. But if you've never told Jesus you believe in him, today's your opportunity to become a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and to know that he is God with you. So I want to move into a time of prayer, thanking him for being God with us, allowing us all to prepare our hearts and our souls to receive the Lord's Supper, and then giving those of us who are not followers of Jesus Christ the opportunity to tell him we believe in him and want to follow him today. So if you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you sent Jesus He is God incarnate in the flesh. He is God with us. And we thank you that we can remember that and celebrate that he walks with us through life, through the ups and downs, on the mountaintops and in the valleys low. So Lord, as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want to take a moment to give anyone who's never professed faith in Jesus Christ that opportunity. So if that's you, I'm just going to give you a couple of things to pray to Jesus right now in the silence uh, of this room. You can just pray it silently back to him. Um, I'm just going to give your faith words. There's nothing special about the words. What's important is your heart in praying them back to God. So here you go. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and pray that. I believe that Jesus came down to earth and died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that Jesus defeated the power of sin and death and rose again from the dead. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.